In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To continue our Sundays of Advent, to conclude them, really, we can't bypass St. Joseph. St. John the Baptist was our focus for the last two Sundays. On the fourth Sunday, when we are in these last eight days before Christmas, he is a necessary part of God's plan. Now, it is absolutely impossible to think of our Lord being born without a mother. That's just obvious. The necessity of St. Joseph in the Holy Family is by virtue of the will of God. It's entirely possible to imagine Our Lady conceiving, giving birth, raising Jesus and his ministry and his mission um, happening, but that's not how God wanted it to be. We can imagine our Lord and Savior, God the Son, Jesus of Nazareth, enduring the worst of uh, deprivation and hardship in this life, but instead, God the Father intended Jesus Christ to have a perfect and holy family. It would be from his father that he would learn how to be a man. It was from his foster father that he would learn how to die. As a baby, the word father would be formed on his lips before he even knew exactly what that meant. And before the synapses in his little baby brain could be firing and he could know much of anything, he would already be calling this man father. Can we imagine that God the Father would want God the Son to call someone father without it being a true representation of his love and his majesty. St. Joseph was given an extraordinary vocation. He was the celibate husband of the most perfect woman in the world. The one woman who was conceived without original sin and remained sinless her life. Some posit that she was the most beautiful woman ever. We can't prove that, but we certainly can't argue against that. The illustration of St. Joseph's purity and obedience and virtue comes in these interactions he has with the angels sending messages to him from heaven in his sleep. What purity of mind and what purity of imagination for him to be able to recognize while he is sleeping that he is receiving a message from heaven to wake up and then put it into effect immediately. We all have different relationships with our dreams. 
It's interesting to be asleep and to be dreaming and to know I'm dreaming. Uh, to recognize, yes, okay, it's that nightmare again. I know I must be sleepwalking. Don't worry, that stopped years before I was commissioned in the United States Naval Reserve. It's even interesting to be in a dream and to wake up from the dream, but to still be in the dream and then to wake up again from it. The psychology classes I took in college were of uh, some benefit and interest. Uh, dream interpretation was not necessarily an exact science. But I think we all have had the experience of dreams being the regurgitation, as it were, of what's already on our mind, what's bothering us, what are we hoping for. What I present to you is that St. Joseph reveals the purity of his heart and the purity of his soul in knowing that he can, he can understand this message that comes to him from heaven. When I was in college, um, this was in the previous millennium, uh, in the late 1980s, the internet didn't really exist yet except for our friends who worked at DARPA. Email was a thing. That was brand new. Uh, it was possible already to type up a paper and send it to the printer at the front desk in the lobby of the dorm and grab it as I'm running on the way out with or without doing spell check ahead of time. But one of the real novelties of having a computer in my room was a video game. Now, mind you, this is 1989. So Tetris was cool because it was in grayscale, not just black and white. And for those of you who aren't familiar, it's a silly game. There are blocks of different shapes that drop down from the top of the screen to the bottom. With one button, you can rotate it 90 degrees with each stroke of the button. And with the left and right keys, or it would have, no, there wouldn't have been left and right keys on that keyboard. So probably with one letter and a different letter, you could slide it to the left or to the right. And then with the enter button, you could just immediately drop it to the bottom. The goal, of course, is to get the blocks to line up perfectly with the contour of the blocks underneath it. If you string along blocks continuously from left to right, they magically disappear. It's the most mundane of games. Most of you could have programmed something like that before your age was in the double digits. But in 1989, it was very cool. What wasn't cool is that after playing this for some time, you couldn't get it out of your brain. You would close your eyes to take a nap or to sleep or to think about something, and your brain is already, your, 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 your eyelids have been turned into a screen where you see these uh, these blocks of different shapes dropping down and the, uh, the delightful Russian soundtrack uh, playing in the background. That was enough for me to decide in the end of college that there will be no more video games on any of my computers. That's just a silly video game. Imagine how hard it is, or nigh impossible, 
for any of us to have an interior life, a life of prayer, a life of peace, a life of discernment, when impurity is part of our visual history, when our imagination or our memory haunts us, I don't know how that person actually prays. St. Joseph in the manger is often overlooked. There are some Christians who hopefully this Christmas will discover Mary and realize that their devotion to Jesus necessitates that they have a devotion, not just an appreciation for the mother of God. And hopefully other Christians who already revere the Blessed Virgin and look forward to visiting her and her son in the manger come to a deeper appreciation of her spouse, of St. Joseph. The celebration of Christmas with all of its music, with all of its decoration, with all of its special food and special customs is vital. In fact, those types of celebrations fill the imagination. Our goal as Christians isn't to simply avoid sin. Our goal in order to be able to close our eyes and pray and actually see the face of God isn't just to avoid bad things. We have to fill our heart, our mind, our imagination, our memory with good and beautiful and holy things. Our celebration of Christmas then deliberately is vivid and it's lavish. Because there's no part of our history that's more important. And there's no element of our future more decisive. Two days ago at the monthly Fathers Club, which I don't advertise maybe often enough, Father Scalia started it, establishing it with two rules. One, that the man has to be a practicing Catholic. And two, he can't be there because his wife told him to come. I've taken to having some bit of poetry or literature that is the the text rather than whatever topic I happen to want to discuss. The meeting two days ago and the meeting we'll have in January focus on The Ballad of the White Horse by G.K. Chesterton. There's a beautiful image, a beautiful description uh, of manly virtue at the end of book five. Now, the setting is King Alfred. This is between 6 and 12 May in 878. He's king of Wessex. Eastern England has been uh, invaded for several decades. He's going into battle against Guthrun, the Dane, or the Viking. Uh, And I don't mind telling you that Guthrun is defeated, in fact, submits to baptism after uh, his defeat. But the battle being initiated by the throwing of the sword into the battlefield is where King Alfred is um, finding himself and he's speaking to his earls. At the end of book five. And all that marvel of the, all that marvel of the sword 
cast like a stone to slay, cried out, said Alfred. Who would see signs must give all things. Verily, man shall not taste a victory till he throws his sword away. Then Alfred, Prince of England, and all the Christian earls unhooked their swords and held them up. Each offered to Colin like a cup of chrysolite and pearls. And the king said, Do thou take my sword who have done this deed of fire? For this is the manner of Christian men, whether of steel or priestly pen, that they cast their hearts out of their ken to get their heart's desire. And whether ye sweat, whether you swear a hive of monks or one fair wife to friend, this is the manner of Christian men that their oath endures the end. This is the manner of St. Joseph, a man of great strength and great courage and great humility and purity. The man chosen by God the Father to teach Jesus Christ the incarnate word whom he should address as Father, how he should love how he should live, how he should sacrifice, and how he should die. Some of us wish we had had an earthly father like that. And you do. His name is Joseph, and you'll find him in the manger. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.